So what happened to the other nine? Jesus' question is a pretty good one, isn't it? This guy comes back and throws himself at his feet, and it's really the first thing he's like, where's everybody else? What happened to the other nine? Can you see them running into town? Jesus, have mercy on us. Go show yourself to the priest. They're like, okay, we'll go show ourselves to the priest. And they're running. And I, I just envision that, that one of them, as he's running along the way, kind of starts to notice that he's been cleansed of his leprosy. That skin disease that by the Old Testament law says you need to be separated and quarantined outside the community, outside the city, until you're made clean, until, until you get the doctor's note, which really came from the priest, to go back to school or back to the community, kind of that sort of thing. But these guys often were out there for long periods of time, years sometimes. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest so you can be made clean and be reinstituted into the community. So they're running, and one of them, sees that he's healed. And I just envision the other nine just continuing to run into the village to the priest. But this one sits there and he's, he sees the other nine going this way. And he turns around and he sees Jesus still on the horizon. He can still see him. And something in him stops, turns around, and goes the other way. Why is it that that one stopped and the other nine did not? That's a really good question. This one who stops comes back. He's praising God loudly. He has no shame. He falls at Jesus' face, prostrates himself on the ground, praising God and giving thanks to Jesus. But what happened to those other nine? Maybe they were just so excited about their new restored life. Maybe they were just excited to get on with their families, their friends, if they had family and friends. Maybe they, this is on the, the, the bad end of the spectrum, I guess, the character spectrum. Maybe they were so entitled that they were just grabbing for anything they could get in the world. Jesus, heal me. Thank you very much. I'm just going to keep going on with my life. Ultimate entitlement mentality. Maybe they just simply found it too inconvenient to return to Jesus. He, maybe, maybe once they realized they were healed and good, Jesus was already off on his way. Whatever it is, something happened in this one that didn't happen in the nine. What is that? What's the difference? Perhaps a more difficult question for us is, if you and I were one of those ten lepers, would we be one of those that returned? There's a hundred people in here, and Jesus sends us all away. Only ten of us would return. Are you in the top ten percent? That's a hard question. I have to confess there have been too many times in my life when I've taken the generosity of other people for granted. It's like my grandmother who sends me money every year on my birthday. 
Like, it doesn't matter what I do in my life. If I was in prison, she would send me money on my birthday because she's my grandmother, because she loves me unconditionally, and because she has a very flawed perception of how good I am. And I think everybody needs a few of those in their life. But it's easy to let the faithful, steadfast generosity of others sometimes just be taken for granted. But this one man doesn't. This Samaritan, a double outcast, not only is he a leper, he's a Samaritan. That's, that's two strikes. This one, something happens in him. What is it? I want to invite you to imagine two scenarios today. The first is person A. Person A has everything in this world that we tend to want in the world. He has a great house. It's upon a hill. Imagine a hill. We're in Lubbock. Imagine a hill. Nice spread. Multiple cars. He doesn't have to work anymore. He's got a padded life. He's got a huge closet. Everything that he wants. He doesn't have to worry about anything. No worries in this world. However, person A has zero sense of gratitude. Just simply thinks, well, I, this is mine. I deserve it. I earn it. It's the way it is. Now think of person B. Person B has a modest home and a modest car and modest clothes and Moses' yard and whatever, you know. Person B has what he needs. But person B wakes up every day and says, Lord, I'm so grateful for all your gifts and blessings. So grateful for everything that you've done. Praise you, God. Thank you so much. Now, let me ask you. In this scenario, person A and person B, who is more blessed? If you're standing back looking at a distance, you may be like, well, looks like person A's got a little more of this and that. Person A's probably more blessed. But here's the thing about being blessed. You're only blessed if you know you're blessed. You're only blessed if you know you're blessed. Person A doesn't know he's blessed. Why? Because person A isn't acknowledging any giver, any generosity from above. You know what we call that? We call that faith. Faith is this belief in a good God, a generous God, a loving God. And so whether you have a lot or a little, faith translates itself into amazing gratitude. It could be switched. Person A could be the person who has full gratitude. Person B could be a person who is still ungrateful. It doesn't matter how much you have, but you're blessed according to whether you know you're blessed. And you only know you're blessed if you have faith. You know, we kind of live in a culture that's going the other way for the most part. Over the decades, as America tends to get wealthier, and really as any society gets wealthier, that same society tends to decrease in faith. Have you ever noticed that? The more comfortable a society is, the less faith a society has. It's a generalization, but it's generally true. 
Consider our own Thanksgiving celebration in America today. You are probably more righteous than me in this, but I just want to say, I find very little in Thanksgiving to make me think, oh, I really want to be thankful. Because often Thanksgiving is about me feeding myself with things, whether it's food or football or Black Friday deals, consumerism, all the things that we want, all right? We got six weeks till Thanksgiving. Let's start thinking about this right now. tends to lend itself to the nine more than the one. We have this tagline in our church. We just, uh, it's kind of come up in some conversations that some of us clergy have had over the course of several months, and it's helping us to put language to where we believe we, God is leading us as a church. And that tagline is moved by Jesus, loving people and serving all. Moved by Jesus, loving people, serving all. Most of the time when an organization has a tagline, the focus is on what we're doing. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But our first one is we decided that it's more appropriate for the first one to be moved by Jesus, which means it's not in the active, it's not what we're doing, it's that something has to be done to us first. Because all of our loving and serving in the world doesn't mean a whole lot if we haven't been moved by Jesus. Of these 10 lepers, 100% healing rate. All 10 of them are healed. Every single one of them. But only one was really moved. Only one stopped and began to move in the other way. When is the last time, not that God did something for you, but when is the last time that you were moved by Jesus? How long has it been? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to stop and to pause and to say, I'm going to wait until Jesus moves me. I'm going to let myself be moved and even if it means that I give praise with my hands up and shouting loudly like a crazy person, then so be it. I think this is what being moved by Jesus looks like. This humble man bowing down, praising God, being thankful. That's what moved is. And here's Jesus' response. He says... You're good to go. Your faith has made you well. It's faith. Often in our world, we think of faith as something you need in order to be healed. Like those ten lepers. But Jesus didn't commend the other nine's faith. He only commended this one's faith. Your faith has made you well. Ten were healed, but only one was blessed. Ten were healed, but only one had faith. Because faith will always translate into giving glory and praise to God. Faith will always translate into recognizing, I didn't earn this. I didn't make this happen. Someone has given this unto me. Someone has entrusted this unto me. And I 
am in debt. Real faith is in the return. It's not in the going and being healed. It's in the return to give praise. That's where real faith is. And strangely enough, real faith can come from the unlikeliest of places. If you've been traveling along with us through the Gospel of Luke, it's not even a surprise anymore that Luke tells us that this was a Samaritan, a leper and a Samaritan, a foreigner who had faith. Someone previously thought of as not someone who really could have the right kind of faith. And if this Samaritan can have faith, then we can have faith too. If this Samaritan is a qualified person to have faith in Christ, then we, we have that opportunity as well. Nothing stops us except ourselves. We are gathered here today. We do this every seven days, by the way. We, get, we come together right here. And when we do, we offer praise just like that leper did. Previous, former leper. Worship God. We sing. Some of you sing a little louder than others, but we still sing. Some of us are a little quiet, but we praise God. That's what we're set up to do here. The word for praise is doxa. It's where we get the word doxology. And then we give thanks. The word for give thanks in the scripture that we've read, this leper gives, this former leper gives thanks. It's eucharizo. It's where we get the English word Eucharist or great thanksgiving or Lord's Supper. We praise and we give thanks. It's part of our rhythm. And then we get out of here. We don't hang out here all week, do we? No, we get out of here. We get sent out into the world just as Jesus sends this leper on. He says, you're good to go. Get up and go on your way. And that's really our rhythm is we go and then we come back and we return to give praise and thanks. And then we go and we come back and we give thanks and praise. And we go and we come back to give thanks and praise. Somewhere in that, somewhere in there, We make room for God to touch us. Sometimes we have to get our little rear ends out of bed and come here, don't we? Sometimes I don't want to go to church and I have to get myself up and make myself. Number one, because I'd be in big trouble because I'm a preacher. But we all feel that way every now and then. And, and you've had those days, you're like, all right, I'm just going to do it because I know I need it. We don't wait until we feel good to do it. We just do it. But somewhere in all the doing... We're making room for something deeper to happen. Something of faith. Something that moves us. As we gather around this table today to give thanks, and as we're sent out into the world, may we have eyes to see and ears to hear that God is blessing us immensely. And may we return every day to Christ and give thanks and praise to Him. Let us pray.
Lord Jesus, open our eyes. Let us be a people of faith. Let us know that we are so blessed. Let us be able to see that in our lives, whether life is easy or life is hard, or for most of us, just a mix of both. Let us be moved by you. And let our lives be a response of that movement. The whole world may be going in one direction. Would you help us to stop and to turn around and to come back to you? We love you, Lord. We thank you that you call us to this table. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.